Welcome back, Sanya. How are you? I am fantastic, Al. It's always so good to see you. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> of course. Well, thanks for coming back. Yeah, this topic today, managers that thrive. I mean, I love the word thrive, and I know many <laughs> managers are struggling with hybrid work, you know, how to manage what's too much, what's too little. So if you would introduce yourself and more about this topic of around managers that thrive. Yeah, absolutely. So my, I'm Sonia Lucina. I'm an organizational psychologist and president of the Workforce Business Unit at Question Pro. And at Question Pro, we really specialize in both survey technology, but also really researching these hot topics in the market when it comes particularly to employment. And I, I probably say this every time, but the market keeps getting more interesting and interesting as, as days pass by. And today, if you look at the headlines, you still see, you know, record number of people leaving their positions. You see layoffs, unfortunately, being announced more and more. And it's this really just in, incredibly difficult dynamic to explain. And in the midst of all of that, and one of the areas that we study is leadership because we've known over the years and research just how huge of an impact leaders and managers have on the workplace, have on the culture, um, have on people's productivity, satisfaction. And actually the word thrive, um, Ali picked up when we were at Irresistible and I saw a number of CHROs, I think one was from Microsoft, use that term and say, you know, we no longer want people to just succeed. We no longer want people to just be satisfied. We really want them to thrive in their jobs. And what does that look like? And so this is the reason why our team decided to focus on this area right now, because in this, you know, large field, and you and I have talked about a lot of employee experience and all the things that go into it and continuous listening, which is connecting with your workforce, there are some very particular, particular needs the managers and those who lead others have. And oftentimes when we're doing these large global surveys to the entire employee base, we don't make space to ask what those individuals specifically need, but the more we arm them with the right support, the right tools, the right amount of time to be successful, the greater impact they'll really have in the overall culture and all of the people. So that's why we wanted to you know, take a step back and say, what are these things that are important for us to ask managers and how do we action that data inside of our workplace? Well, you know, th thank you for that. Cause this is not something where, and again, I'm kind of getting to the stage of life where <laughs> I, you've heard me say this before, like I'm on the suck it up generation and I'm not saying that's good. It's just, Hey, this is our new dynamic. This is our new situation. Just go and you know do what's, what's right. But it's not that simple. You know, obviously human beings are dynamic, you know, we're in different situations given stage of life resources and so forth. So this need to continually learn and what does HR do to enable this learning? What do yeah. uh, leaders do to create, this environment of continuous learning so we can adjust and adapt over time. So no, I certainly celebrate, you know, where you're coming from. And I know you have some slides, so I want to make sure you uh, share some of this research. <laughs> I always have slides and data. I, I can't help myself. So um, <laughs> I do want to preface this as I go into the presentation that really the takeaway for our audience is that we are sharing the survey measure with anybody who wants to use it inside their organization. It's completely complimentary. We'll give you a QR code link. I'll share a PDF after for anybody who's interested. Um, so this isn't just the market research study where we'll share and highlight some insights. This is actually 
some teaser information for all of you to think about, see what might really resonate inside your own workplace, and then give you the specific information that you can use inside your very own organization to see how your managers are feeling and what specifically you could do um, to help them. So I just wanted to make sure that was clear at the get-go because I know a lot of times we talk about general research trends um, and although that's very valuable, we have a, a little bit more to share than that today. So um, jumping into the presentation, this is one study that actually initiated the reason why it, it was one of one of the things that actually encouraged us to go into this space and talk to the managers is that Harvard Business Review earlier this year cited a study from Gartner that said, you know, 68 percent of companies that they surveyed worldwide um, reported that their managers are overwhelmed. And I thought, Okay, it's a really big number and overwhelmed is a really strong word. So how can we help unpack that? How can we help, again, organizations understand internally, but then also take a step back and see what would happen, what's happening globally? So we surveyed 100 managers. Our study was particularly in the United States. Um, it took place in July. So the data is very recent, um, again, because I was talking about all these wild market shifts that are happening. And, you know, some might think like, depending on when you collected the data, the world could have looked a little different. Um, and there are a lot of different areas that we covered in this survey. I do not have time to touch on all of them today because it was a lot of information, but we'll be creating a more um, robust report that we can we can share. And also, again, big purpose of this is for you to take the survey template and, and use it inside your organization. So we talked and looked a lot at learning and development, growth and development, both for the individual leader and their teams. Why? Because in a lot of the research that we found, we saw that that has a great impact on person's productivity, on how likely they're to stay, how long they think they'll stay with their organization. And we also captured some of that data in the, in the overall experience. How long are you planning to stay? How likely are you to recommend the organization, et cetera? Um, and of course, we, we couldn't do this without, you know, I, I couldn't come and talk with Al without mentioning capacity and how comfortable do you feel like meeting your goals and do you feel like you have time for it? Um, and then also touched on a not a, autonomy and trust and then well-being and the whole person experience. So a lot of different sections, a lot of different items. Again, in our time today, I'll just touch on a few that really resonated um, with Anna and me when, when we ran this study. So the first one was that three out of four managers, or actually 75%, believe that their organization places great importance in growth and development of its people. One thing that I've learned is that a lot of times data is very subject to interpretation and what I might see as a number and how I interpret it could be very different than somebody else. Um, so my interpretation was that maybe this is not phenomenal. There's still 25% of people who don't believe their organization places that importance, but maybe 75 is not that bad. Now, again, this was a mix of people around different organizations and what we've seen working with specific clients is that in your organization, you might have a lot more uniform answer, um, especially based on department, based on a location, et cetera, depending on how your organization is structured. Um, so looking into this, I would say, oof, you know, if I was one of the organizations seeing this, I would maybe ask myself, I wonder where, where do I fare? Do I feel like I'm one of those organizations that really places great value or am I perceived maybe not as such? Um, one, that I actually really liked um, and I, I found encouraging is that 83% of managers said the growth and development of their team 
is one of their main responsibilities. Why do they find that encouraging? <clears throat> because again, in a lot of the conversations that I've had with organizations over time, we found we actually even had people say to us, you know, this is not a part of my job description. When I signed up for my role, it didn't say, you know, part of your responsibilities is to grow and develop your team. In my opinion, I always thought, well, that's, you know, should be considered. And we know that the better our teams are, the more skilled they are, the more they, they connect with a purpose um, in, in the vision of the organization, the more likely they're to perform well. You still had this subset of people that are just saying, it's not my responsibility. I have these specific objectives. So those conversations I found pretty surprising when they were anecdotal. And what I was glad to find is that at least it wasn't an overwhelming majority, that most of the managers did say, I do feel like this is my responsibility. <clears throat> now, you know, you might ask, well, where's the opportunity, Sonia? Is this like a celebration? High five, we're doing great. And I would say, we're not doing terrible as a society, but we certainly have room to improve. So I reiterated um, the two stats at the top. So three out of four, 75% of managers believe organizations, you know, gives importance. 83% believe it's their responsibility. But then 70% say they have access to the right resources. And so this, again, is why I believe it's so important to not just look at the market data, but ask your own people because what kind of resources are they looking for? Um, sometimes with, you know, I'll keep saying this, with our best intentions, if we don't have a conversation with our employees, if we don't have a conversation with our managers and we solve challenges in the best possible way we believe they can be solved without asking, even with the best intentions, we're likely to miss the mark. So if they feel like they need these additional resources, what are they? What, what does that look like? Is it more digital experience? Is it more, you know, choose your own journey? Um, is it more of a budget? So each individual person can provide something for their team. And that could very, very well vary based on the person and very well vary based on our organization. But based on this data, I feel like there's a great opportunity to ask and find that out. Um, and this one really broke my heart. And again, Al, it's like going back to the capacity. Only 61% of people, a manager, said they have the necessary time to develop their team. So this is where the tricky thing comes in, right? Like right above it, you see that 83% say they feel like it's one of their major responsibilities. And then you drop more than 20 percentage points to people that actually say, but I don't have the time to do it. And what's unfortunate in this case is depending on your role, almost any role, you have hard business objectives that you're evaluated against, whether those are revenue or invoicing, whether that is how much you know, code you ship or how many new features and functionalities, marketing initiatives, et cetera. Generally, that's what's, when we set goals with our teams, that's what we talk about. Oftentimes, much more than these development ones. So one area that we really need to keep an eye out on is that um, managers are being held accountable, maybe in a more formal way, and that we are giving them the capacity to do it. That they're not, when they're thinking about, you know, are my goals achievable? And, and I'll talk about that, not in the next slide, but um, the following one, are my goals achievable? Yes, but am I considering really developing my people as a part of my goals? Or maybe that's something extra that I really believe in, but if push comes to shove, I might not actually get to it. Um, so, then in the other section I mentioned, we talked about 
not just the leader developing or manager developing their team, but also developing themselves. And I know I'm a woman, but this is kind of like the best representation of the face I could find in, in images. I, I should have just taken a selfie when I was looking at this data. Um, we talk about retention and we talk about career paths no longer necessarily being linear, maybe for a while now, but now especially, my Al mentioned hybrid. And I've been reading studies around how many more organizations are recruiting people from different countries, from different continents. The way we work has changed so incredibly much and it'll continue. And so when we think about what we're looking for out of our career, it becomes oftentimes a lot less the next move um, up the ladder, but how am I developing? How am I growing? And maybe how am I becoming have with this, how do I get this wider skill set that when I come across maybe these incredible opportunities that I hadn't thought about before, that I'm ready for them, that I feel confident, maybe not that I'm a hundred percent there, but I'm confident enough to raise my hand and say, pick me because I think I could do brilliantly in this. Maybe I need to catch up in a few areas, but a lot less than what I had to be for. So only 69% of leaders said the organization provides them with the right opportunities to develop as a leader. And even fewer, 65%, said they believe their professional challenges inside their organization, they're exciting to them. Again, we think about retention and how many people are looking to leave organizations and how many people are leaving organizations. And I think these are really, really important questions to ask. Oftentimes it is up to communication. And oftentimes I find with the companies we work with that there really are opportunities on inside the organization, but the communication flow is just not effective enough. Like sometimes we need to hear things repeatedly. We need to hear them in different ways. They need to reach us in different ways because there's a massive overflow of information in everything we work with. So it's important for an organization to understand, wow, you know, are there really not opportunities for from a key leaders, from a key managers that are exciting enough for them to stay, or is maybe my bigger challenge that I'm not communicating those. But I think regardless, when you think about 35% of people saying that they're not exciting opportunities for them, then those 35% of people are likely to be looking somewhere else for different kinds of opportunities. So then um, this is the, the slide that I was mentioning before, the, the achievable objectives and the perception of that. So one area of celebration, you know, is 87% believe that their team objectives are achievable. Should it be 100? Sure. Is getting 100 in anything really, really hard? Yes. Like there's always going to be something that's off. So at least most people, when you're asked about your business objectives, you're saying, yes, I feel like what was set is fair. I feel like I can get there. Maybe it's challenging, but I do feel like they're achievable. Now we drop a little bit when we get to setting the objectives. So I often talk about procedural justice in the conversations and explaining how you get to a decision, how you get to, you know, an action that if a person knows that they're much more likely to internalize it. So is it realistic to think that every single manager inside the organization is going to come up with their own objectives? Um, and they're going to be perfectly okay that it's not some negotiation where, you know, we have our objectives set as an organization at the top. And then oftentimes it trickle down to the different teams and say, for us to achieve this vision, for us to achieve this goal, what role does every team play? That's much more realistically what happens, right? So it doesn't mean that these objectives have to be bubbled bottom up. 
Um, but what it does mean is that having that discussion can have multiple, multiple benefits. One, for example, is that in setting that discussion, it gives a great opportunity even for top management to have managers at all different levels understand why a number, why a certain goal was derived. How does that fit the larger organization? And then also, more often than not, we're already seeing, most people are saying their objectives are achievable. So with this kind of data, again, if it's similar in your organization, you wouldn't have a lot of reason to believe that somebody would argue against it. But what happens, especially if it's a stretch goal, if you have that discussion, you're much more likely to have somebody's buy-in, right? Like, because now they understand that you took the time. It wasn't just like, hey, Joe, you guys got to hit, you know, we got to, we're in really fast ramp up. We got to go from, you know, 3 million in sales this year to 10 million in sales this year. I know you've got to go. But to actually have that discussion and say, okay, well, what do you think you can do we're striving for this number. Do you think it's achievable? Kind of take a look. Let's have a discussion. And again, more than likely, now if the person feels like they absolutely can't achieve it, it's probably better for the organization to know earlier than later. Um, but having them be a part of that discussion makes them internalize it even more. And then the last number, the 75% were involved in setting the vision for their teams. Now, again, I don't want to sign naive and say everybody has the opportunity to set their own vision and it can all be individual. Like, of course organizations have their vision and their mission and what they're striving towards and it shouldn't be disjointed for different teams but every team can internalize it and bring it to life in a different kind of way and so i think again having that exercise and not just for the managers but really pulling their team into that that discussion makes it so much stickier and helps people own it so much more that even though maybe sometimes the results will not be vastly different, people will feel very differently towards it because they were a part of that discussion, they were a part of that decision, um, and it resonates with them so much more. Now, um, this one I just <laughs> wanted to highlight without going into it too much because um, I know we have 30 minutes in this session, and again, the, the amount of data that you know, comes from this survey could take hours to, to unwrap, but this is one of those things that really um, made me a little, a little sad, and I think there's a big opportunity here, is that 66% of managers felt supported by their own manager. Now, when you think about your personal development, when you think about the development of your team, when you think about professional objectives and, and meeting those to me, I expected this again, it's hard for it, maybe impossible to be at 100%, but I expected that support to be bigger. Why? So I, for those of you who don't know me, if you know me, you know I have a kid. And you might you probably even know that he turned four yesterday because <laughs> I talk about him a lot. For you, those of you who don't, now you know, or who didn't before. And I learned, I read a lot about kids because I, I really want to be a good mom and sometimes it's not so easy. And so I try to get input, you know, from different sources. And of course, you know, the for, old saying is you lead by example, right? And you lead by example was looking at something like, oh, how do you get your kids to read more of interact with books? There was um, a cartoon recently. I, I don't know if it was Adam Grant or who shared it, but there was a mother reading a book and her child reading a book. And then it was another one on her phone saying, hey, how do you get your kid to read a book? And her her kid was on the phone. So it is so much leading by example. And if we're seeing that our managers at different levels don't feel like they have a support of their manager, when it comes to prioritizing their own development, 
when it comes to prioritizing their team development, when it comes to this involvement, if they don't see that example from their own leadership, it's going to be that much more difficult for them to take it seriously. It's going to be that much more difficult for them to believe that as a part of your organizational culture, this is something that's really important, that it's not smoke, that it's not something, hey, we maybe say this is important, but actually based on what people are doing, it's not. So I do think that this is an important number, even if you don't do a completely separate manager experience survey um, to ask this because, and then cut it by the manager, because this could be an overall, every single employee has a manager, but then to slice it by those who are in management positions to see, does it break at some point? Yeah, I'm going to jump in and say, because we have a, a question that right. came in relative to, you know, what you're asking. It came across the screen. What are the main action points that were generated from the results of the survey or survey such as in your company? So do you mind yeah. uh, taking that theme? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for stopping because I'm on a different screen, so I can't see the question. So thank mm -hmm. you for taking that pause. Um, so one of the points that I made that, again, mm -hmm. I, I want to be clear is that this was a study that was done is market research, right? This wasn't even, we do actually most of these, we haven't had a chance to yet because this is hot off the presses, do it a question pro, but it was something that we did to understand what are the general market trends? Like, are there specific areas where it's important for organizations to take pause and say, okay, I really need to look at this today because there's this big market trend and is this happening in my organization? Because if I don't know and if I don't have the data, that could make me very vulnerable. Um, as far as some different recommendations, I think that it depends. I, I would very much encourage anybody listening. Again, I think market research is phenomenal. It's indicative of what's going on. But it's a culmination of, in this case, probably 100 different companies, 100 different um, cultures. And if you take the survey in any single one of them, you could see some very different trends. Now, again, what, what I would do is look at that, some of the general findings, maybe once, once you run the survey, is again, to understand, we saw that resources were a challenge. We saw that maybe it wasn't what the culture was saying is important in the organization, but how we execute that. And I see that as a general challenge. I don't think that's incredibly unique to any single company is to say, we want to do this. We really do. But sometimes the companies kind of get lost and don't have time in figuring out the how and what are the specific steps. So if you're saying our employee development is incredibly, incredibly important, what does that mean to you? Do you have specific courses? Do you have specific trainings? Do you believe in employee-led training? which is something we've talked about a lot lately. And what does that look like? What is What are the kind of, do you have the right resources for the different teams to leverage? And are they aware of those? So I would say, again, is some of the general themes, um, that's what I would recommend. But again, I would strongly encourage every company to do this in their own space, because I bet you, you'll find some more extremes than what we found in this survey that are very much relevant to, to your specific organization versus the market trends that we're seeing overall. I hope that helps. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So I know you have so, some more slides. So I'll uh, let you Yeah, go just a few more, just a few more. I promised you that we would get done on time and I'll, I'll keep my promise. So um, I wanted to highlight this again, just a couple of stats from, from a group of questions. But 
we talk a lot about vulnerability. Like anyone that's come across Brene Brown knows she's such a huge advocate. And we talk about the whole person experience and this blend and, you know, especially in, in hybrid work environments. Like I'm thinking, I'm like, I think I just heard my kid is going to pop up here. Are all of you going to meet him or not? And if you do, he's brilliant. Does it really matter? Um, we still have a long way to go in vulnerability based on what we saw with our data. So 50% of managers said they're comfortable being vulnerable in front of others in their organization. And I would say many things are up for interpretation, but that only half of people can really feel like if they're struggling with something or have challenges, share those and, and share them in the way that makes sense for them. I think we need to, as a society, it sounds like we really need to create spaces where people are more open. Um, more managers said they feel like their team members seem vulnerable in front of them. Now it's kind of interesting because that's their own perception of their teams. So something that can be dug into is the perception different. So if you don't ask somebody, you feel like, oh, they mentioned a few things. I feel like they can be open or do they just have so much more they would want to share, but they don't feel like it. So that's the the difference, like I was saying, in between asking somebody specifically how they feel and asking them how they interpret somebody else feels or something else that could happen in this data is that when you become when you go into a manager position you feel like you have more at stake you feel like you have this whole team that you're responsible for and so if you show your vulnerabilities how is that going to impact you and how is that going to trickle down to the team on the team that's i think an additional thing again for organizations to unwrap but i just i wanted to talk about that because i expected us as a society to be a little farther along um, I realized that this was a bit, and now you talk about your generation, like I'm, I'm in the same place. I'm like, oh my gosh, I know like a lot of the ways that I grew up and what was, you know, expected of so much time in my career, but I know how we want to see the world today, but it doesn't always come naturally. And I, so I, I see myself trying to get myself out of my comfort zone because I, I, I want to live in this place. that's very different and I want us to have cultures, but like, it's something that we, constantly have to strive for it's not necessarily natural but how do you create that that culture that allows for that so i'll leave you this is my last slide and we can chat a little bit more so just some recap and next steps i tried to um talk about some some generalities and, and recommendations again based on the data we saw saw overall it might be very different for your organization um, if you scan the qr code you will be taken to the question pro page where the survey questions are again completely complimentary. You can take any questions, all of them, some of them, and use them in your organization. There's also a URL if it's easier for you to copy and paste that one and go to the page. Um, so please feel free, check it out, see what you believe resonates with you, maybe how your stats, if you run it compared to what we shared today. Um, and then a couple of just general recommendations. <clears throat> The first one is to be clear in your expectations for the role the managers play in their team's own development, as well as prioritizing their own. Why do I say that? Because again, we saw the leaders were saying, you know, I believe the organization places value on that. I feel like it's my role. But then we also saw that greatly they were saying, I don't really have time for it. And that is a discrepancy. And so if you believe that that is one of their main responsibilities really i would create some goals around it i would put it in job descriptions because it can't hurt like it can only provide more clarity and it can only provide more peace of mind for a person when they're saying 
most of us, if not all of us, have more things they want to do than our time in the day. I don't even want to show you my to-do list. It's sitting next to me in my notebook. And every day I'm going through, like literally every day, prioritization around, I know what are my priorities, but how do I execute that? What do I work on in the next hour that I have free? Having that clarity for what's expected from you, from the leadership is really important. And then checking in on the capacity of the objective. So again, we felt, we saw that 87% of people said their goals are achievable, but then just over 60 said they have time to develop their teams and actually developing themselves was in the 50s. I didn't even share that stat. Um, so to make sure that that capacity and time exists for both meeting the business objectives as well as the development of the person and their goals. So Al, I will end in there. I'll share my information for anybody who's not connected with me yet that would love to connect. Um, I've really absolutely thrive. I thrive on talking with others and understanding what's going on in the market. So the more input we can get for what's important for you specifically or your organization, because we're going to continue to push out um, this kind of research, I would love that because it'll really help us shape the way that we look at what do we need to look at next? What are the key initiatives for different um, organizations, et cetera? So that way we can we can make the greatest impact possible. Well, yeah, Sandy, I'm going to sneak in one question uh, before we wrap. Yeah. And um, and Ryan, thank you for the question. And I see some other questions that have come in and we're not going to be able to get to all of them. But it's this is that uh, you know, I hear intent versus yeah. the ability to actually do either from an organizational perspective, yeah. manager perspective or individual perspective. Yeah, I want to develop others. I want to develop myself. But to your point, don't have the capacity and particularly and to ryan's question for hourly workforces construction for example that has mm -hmm. you know timelines what would be your suggestions to leaders that you know why should they be prioritizing because obviously there's a a significant cost to it so what are your thoughts there you know my thoughts are that from what i'm seeing this is where the market is going and so if some of your key initiatives in your organization are productivity, are retention, these are some of the key ways to do it. So I think, and I know it's hard, trust me, like I balance my to-dos and priorities all the time and I don't always get it right either, I'm human, right? But if you think about, I have this person, they're doing so much for an hour, I'm getting output from them. If I spend a few hours to upskill them, train them, get it better at something, how much more output can I get for that hour? And how quickly do I compensate for it? And I think if you start to do that exercise and you can put numbers behind it, I mean, I think you get to the point of how can I not? And again, I don't want to sound naive to anybody who's hearing me say this because I get it. I get that we're, we have these numbers that we have to put up every month and we're saying, but I don't, I need, if I pull these people off, we might not get to these numbers, but could you accelerate next month? And I think as organizations, we just have to start thinking about that. And if we don't, unfortunately, we will lose people. And that we all know creates even bigger chaos because to replace someone is infinitely more expensive than to take some time to train them and upskill them, like infinitely. Yeah, I, I got to say, that's a pretty damn good answer. <laughs> I hope you think so too, Ryan. Hey, um, I just want to call out as we wrap, uh, you're pretty hardcore because we saw your hand. You want to share your hand, your, <laughs> your, your, your new tattoo? <laughs> so again, for those of you who know me, you probably know I don't have a single tattoo on my body, like nothing, <laughs> not a one. This is from my kid's fourth birthday party yesterday. And I was telling out like I'm very, um, 
like I, I speak a lot with my hands. I'm, I'm European. And I thought, oh man, this is going to be caught on screen and I should probably get up. But he just came home from school and he would be heartbroken if I didn't have it. So let's stick on Bumblebee, but thank you. <laughs> well, it is. Uh, thank you for sharing and uh, appreciate you letting me call you out on that. But hey, yeah. Sanya, as always, super interesting, super valuable and super appreciate the work yeah. that you do. How can people learn more about you and what uh, you'll be doing next? Oh my goodness. So um, please, like I, I shared in my last slide, it kind of went fast, but um, I'm, my name is Sonia Lucina. I'm one of the few <laughs> that exist. Um, so if you look me up on LinkedIn, it's literally Sonia Lucina, please connect with me. Um, I work at Question Pro. So if you look at questionpro.com backslash workforce, you'll see a lot more about the work that we do. Um, I also run a podcast called Work at Life with my co-host maddie so we cover a lot of these different topics um email me connect on linkedin like i again i absolutely love i didn't mention this time out that i live in buenos aires argentina which most of you might have not guessed by my accent so um i'm an avid traveler i will be back we're hosting a company event in, in october in austin so i travel a lot i love to connect virtually i love to connect in person um, so please, if any of this was interesting to you, do reach out to me. Um, and I'd love to, you know, whether we can help you individually and have a chat, whether you'd like me to share any more information, like I'd, I'd be thrilled with any of that. Yes, and absolutely. We're going to be doing a Pathout Connect event in that October as well. Yes. Day, October 26th. So look out for that. And also, uh, uh, Sanya and I did a podcast recently. Uh, so look for... Uh, Sanya on the People Data for Good podcast because yeah. it was fantastic, unsurprisingly. So, hey, Sanya, again, thank you yet again. Uh, you be well and look forward to uh, seeing you soon. Definitely in October, but hopefully before. Definitely that. October, maybe before. Thank you All so right. much for the space, right. Al. Have a wonderful right, day. Well. Thank you, everybody. Thanks. Bye-bye.